Hello and welcome back to Hacker Slacker. I'm Jacob Pettiquard. I'm Andre Garive. And we took a week off, but we are now locked and loaded yes. with a big show for you guys. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, happy National Intern Day, Jacob. Mm-hmm. We yep. are both interns, and today is our day to celebrate and record a podcast that will go way too long. Yeah, so uh, in the week that we missed last week, a ton of stuff happened. This week, a ton of stuff happened. And for our main topic, we have a bit of a people's choice going on. Uh, we did a poll, and our main topic is going to be about Apple's design, something that we might have touched on a couple times on the show, but uh, yeah. should be good. We'll do yep. a deep dive into some of our thoughts on why we talk about this stuff so much. Yep, and, and it'll be more of a hardware focus. We talk a lot about software usually, mm-hmm. so hopefully it's a little bit of a different thing than we spend a lot of time talking about. Yep, but we have a packed show, so we'll get it on the road. First, we have some follow-up. Uh, we knew this was going to happen. Libra was in the Senate, uh, Facebook's cryptocurrency. Um, this was last week, kind of bleeding yeah. into this week. They've um, just been having these hearings. And uh, my understanding of these hearings is that it's kind of just like investigatory and there's not yeah. a lot of like hard outcomes that's going to come from these. Um, but Facebook says, you know, they are not planning on launching Libra until they have, you know, basically approval from the government. And mm-hmm. so they're kind of important in determining the shape of how this is all going to work out. But um, apparently this was much better than the previous Facebook hearings where the senators didn't really understand how like advertisements work. Yeah. Um, Um, This one they were asking like, you know, good questions about how are you going to stop money laundering? You know, what kind of data are you collecting? That sort of thing. I think two things happened. One is that as a cryptocurrency, it ties into a lot of economics um, a lot more and a lot more politicians understand economics than understand code and technology and blockchain. Um, and then also on top of that, they looked like fools in the last Senate and Congress hearing. So they've kind of brushed up. They've gotten aides to help them understand things and they were much more prepared. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely shown that um, Facebook is behind a little bit in terms of talking bank talk, which is what they have to do to um, get this thing pushed forward. Um, They did say that the Libra Association that's like in charge of the cryptocurrency side of things will be headquartered out of Switzerland. And so the Swiss government will technically um, have the main oversight on that. Um, But all of their like wallet services and they will have operations in the U.S. So all this stuff is very important, and I could see it dragging on for a very long time, and this will not be the last time we talk about Libra. Absolutely. But yeah, so something that I thought we might have talked about the last or for the last time was the Samsung Galaxy Fold, but in surprise news, yeah. today they said that they are actually relaunching it in September. Um, they're redesigning that protective layer that everyone kept thinking was a screen protector yeah. uh, to make it more obvious, and they're having better protection on the hinge from particles, so... Uh, maybe it'll be rated for more folds. Maybe uh, you know it won't have all these issues that it had in the hands of tech reviewers. You'd hope so, seeing as it's a two thousand dollar phone. Yeah, um, but you know who doesn't care about this? T-Mobile. They uh, they got burned by all the pre-orders and stuff, <laughs> having to refund customers, and so they're saying, "No, nah, we're not selling that." Um, and it'll be interesting to see if other carriers follow. Obviously, I don't think this thing was ever going to be any big mainstream success. Yeah. Um, but we'll see if it can even you know receive some decent reviews after everything that's happened to it yeah samsung really dove into the deep end trying to make a high-end gimmicky device which is a little bit of an oxymoron but um the gimmicky part came out and it broke and now they had to deal with it and for some reason they're re-releasing it i honestly if i had been in charge of the product would have just scrapped it i would have gone back to work i would have redesigned the way that we think about a folding phone um 
I would let some other smaller manufacturers work out a lot of the kinks first and then actually create a high quality product. Yeah, and I think a lot of it had to do with they did have a bunch of hardware sitting around that they hadn't yet shipped to customers, and there are still people who have pre-orders, so they had to do something with all that. You know, they couldn't just declare it a loss. That would have been huge. Um, So it seems like they found the most minor adjustments they can make while still, you know, getting something out before next year, basically making it another phone. Um, But yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see this story about the guy who was trying to jetpack across the English Channel? I did not. Or not jetpack. He made a. He was like some French inventor that had a um, hoverboard that was powered by jets. Oh, yeah. I've seen those. Yeah. And he built it, and he's like, I'm going to cross the English Channel on this. And he didn't get it done. He failed, but that's because he was stopping to refuel on the English side of the English channel mm-hmm. um, and he fell and it was due to some waves and he was really upset because the reason that they had to do one big refuel on the English side is they were planning to do two smaller refuels on French owned water but they uh, the French authorities didn't want him doing what he wanted to do so he ended up just going with what the British authorities would let him do and that ended up being the uh reason that it didn't work but i just for some reason i just remembered that and it was a pretty interesting story that i saw i think it happened like early this morning our time but oh, today in um europe in terms of like uh publicity stunts that one seems pretty fun yeah i mean going on a hoverboard i saw one tweet that was like i'm fully expecting in 30 minutes to see instead of inventor attempts inventor dies doing this <laughs> yeah Okay, so speaking of inventors failing at doing things, um, some follow-up. I'm relating it to the Tesla uh, goal that we keep calling out that they would have, what was it, like 100,000 self-driving cars on the road (laughs) by 2020. Um, Well, GM can't do it because their self-driving division, Cruise, is saying that uh, apparently they had a self-driving taxi service they said was going to launch in 2020 in San Francisco. They're saying that's no longer going to happen. They're not going to hit that target, and they're redoubling their focus on like data collection, um, partnering with DeepMind, like an AI firm, to try to improve some of their uh, machine learning stuff. But it's just kind of showing that this technology just isn't ready yet. Um, No one's really there. Cruise has as many resources as anyone else does. Mm -hmm. Um, So Tesla, if they do it again, we'll be surprised, (laughs) but we don't believe you. Yeah. I mean, when your CEO is the king of market manipulation, um, I don't exactly trust that Tesla would do it. I've said this plenty of times, but I will say good news for Google Waze did get approved to do fully automated tests in California. Yeah. So, I mean, there's going to continue to be progress, but I don't think within a year, either of us will be hopping in a self-driving taxi unless it's, you know, at a Google campus. Yeah. That's the Google employee thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now on to the news. Uh, The huge thing this week was Facebook was you know, they received the largest FTC fine ever, $5 billion. Um, people keep putting it in the context of, you know, they earned $16 billion last quarter, I think, yeah, or something, something like that. It's like their, you know, it's a decent chunk of their revenue, maybe annual revenue, but it's nothing that's going to stop them. And there was nothing that, you know, really was a hard, you can no longer operate in the way that you're operating it's more just like hey here's a giant fine and you're gonna have some regulatory oversight and 
you know, you and a group of you are bored are going to have to swear that you're following our rules. Yeah. Um, but I don't think anyone really sees this as something that's going to change the way Facebook operates. It's more just like putting them on a tight leash and yeah. hoping that, you know, they don't come off it. And if they do, we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, it basically went from looking like Facebook was facing, like, the equiv- the company equivalent of, like, 20 years to life. And they ended up with... Uh, parking ticket and probation right it's like a slap on the wrist relatively to what they could have had done to them yeah and i mean the ftc hasn't really ever done anything more serious than this so the next interesting area to look i know there's just like a ton of regulatory tech news um, but this one i don't know people are really talking about it the doj department of justice is launching is launching a general antitrust review of tech giants and so you know, this last Facebook fine was from the FTC about consumer privacy, consumer information. This is more on the, you know, non-compete or uh, anti-competitive acts of, you know, all the giant tech companies, including, you know, Amazon, Google, Apple. Um, And so it's so open-ended that it's one of those things where no one knows what's going to come out of it, Mm -hmm. but the range of things is extremely high and it's an investigation that could lead to, you know, further cases. And so, um, I just kind of the main takeaway from this is that this next election coming up is going to be huge in terms of, you know, who is going to give these tech companies what they want, who's going to tell them what they want to hear, because then that's going to be a lot of capital backing, whichever candidate is on their side, Mm -hmm. because right now it seems like, you know, it could go a couple ways. We could be seeing these companies chopped up, or we could see them, you know, just continue to grow and expand until Amazon is, you know, big yeah. brother. Yeah. Which, I mean, obviously that's not the case. There's a balance. There's a middle ground. But, um, you know, tech lobbying is not going to stop being important in the next few years because we're just seeing more and more and more uh, intervention. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, we were, like, speed rounding this. Um, Microsoft <laughs> is going to invest a billion dollars in open AI. Uh, OpenAI is kind of, if I had to describe them, they're like the cool AI startup. They have a ton of smart people, uh, like some of my favorite Silicon Valley people, like Sam Altman, uh, former president of Y Combinator, uh, Reid Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn and PayPal. I think Elon Musk is involved. Uh, so OpenAI is kind of like the, you know, big exciting player in terms of like, they're on the bleeding edge of developing AI and they're also thinking about it in kind of like a conscientious way in terms of how are we going to control it? You know, what are the implications of it? And they're the guys that um, beat, like, the Dota 2 champions in Dota with their AI. So they trained it on games. They were the people who had the um, Go match that they won. Um, And so there's been a lot of exciting stuff to come out of OpenAI. And now they're partnering with Microsoft to help Microsoft provide AI services on the Azure Cloud platform. And I think, you know, me and you both know who this deal is helping them compete with in terms of someone who's big into AI, someone who is big in the cloud, and that's Google. Uh, And so maybe this will kind of give them a little bit more of a competitive edge in that space, Uh, not to downplay the AI stuff that Microsoft has, but, I mean, there's just a lot um, more bleeding-edge stuff that OpenAI has been able to do. Um, And also, did you see, what was it? There was an AI, the first AI beat, like, world champions in poker. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, that was an exciting one. Um, So... I mean, this field is constantly advancing, um, and so it'll be really fun, especially, you know, as students, we're going to continue to learn more and more about this stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, 
this is a big partnership and has the potential to, you know, provide some stiff competition to Google. Yeah. Because, you know, the big advantage is we've talked about before of these cloud platforms is like the proprietary services they can offer. Yes. And so if you have advanced AI technology, you know, you could provide something um, that would allow companies to use it and not have to have their own, you know, machine learning developers. And so that could get them locked into your platform if it's something unique. And I'm sure Microsoft has a ton of ideas of things that they can offer. Yeah. Uh, So if you kind of look at things, there's three companies that are really involved in cloud computing and AI. And uh, that's Amazon, Google, and Microsoft, right? So Mm -hmm. when you look at the cloud services, you you obviously, it's pretty easy to rank cloud services because Amazon, Microsoft, Google, that's... uh, You've got AWS, Azure, and GCP, um, Google Cloud Platform. So AWS, very clearly the front runner. They've been very good at it forever. They were first. They were first. Um, It's very uh, secure. So many people use it. Then you've got Azure and Google Cloud Platform. Pretty, Pretty much everybody goes two, three when you rank those. And then when it comes to AI, it's the opposite. It goes Google number one, Microsoft number two, Amazon number three. Mm -hmm. So that's a problem for Microsoft. They're not the best at anything. Google is the best at AI. Amazon is the best at cloud. That really gives them a leg up, even in the other one being number three. Microsoft is just kind of sitting healthily at number two in both. And I think this is going to really help them kick up their AI game. Yeah. And Microsoft has always had a big advantage in the enterprise just because that's their background. And especially in the, oh, you're a competitor to Amazon, you know, come to us kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a move like this could potentially help them get some market share um, and help them to offer some unique services. And I, we, I mean, we talked about stuff that they were offering around, I think it was like, um, like lens or, or Google has the lens thing, but Microsoft had something around like their connect technology we mentioned where yeah. they can identify objects. Yeah. And so, I mean, we'll just be looking for them to provide more and more advanced stuff in that direction. And I mean, I think this stuff is going to get pretty crazy, pretty quick to the oh, point yes. where, you know, um, car companies could, you know, pay for self-driving car technology yeah. from one of these providers. I yeah. mean, it's crazy. So it's definitely an area everyone's going to be keeping their eye on. And something that I can't take my eye off is that new iPhone 11 design. Andre, tell me about it. Okay. So they took the best part of the iPhone 10 and 10s, right? The back, it is smooth. Camera bump is a bit much, but you can deal with it. It is beautiful. It's integrated very cleanly and they made it worse. They doubled the size of the camera. They added an extra camera and they made it a weird little box and it doesn't look, everybody's like, Hey, does it look good uh, with black around the cameras or just like a clear box? And guess what? It doesn't look good either way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they took the worst part, which is the front, which when I first got the iPhone 10 was revolutionary. They had edge to edge display corner to corner with just the little notch and you know what that's not new anymore that's two years old it hasn't aged super well especially with people like samsung yeah samsung did it so much better Mm -hmm. and it really just upsets me to look at this phone and they're taking away the force touch for a new taptic engine i use force touch all the time um that's a personal thing i know a lot of people don't usually use it People like just long holding, but I actually enjoy the force touch. Um, yeah. it They took everything I liked and they killed it. 
Um, I texted Jacob the other day that I'm thinking about just getting a different phone and keeping my iPhone and just having an Android and an iPhone um, instead of getting the new iPhone this fall uh, because I saw these leaks and they are so bad. And then Jacob said, oh, I missed one week of the podcast and uh, you go nuts. But <laughs> that's besides the point. They they took also just the worst part of the best part, which was the camera bump. And now it's huge. You're going to have to have a case. I'm so sad. Yeah. So um, to describe the camera a little bit more, there's it's like if the normal camera bump, you know, it's kind of long, like a pill shaped. This one's like square. So it's like double wide and there's three cameras in there and it's not like they're lined up or anything. It's kind of like a little triangle of cameras with the flash somewhere off to the side. And so it's just like, and other than that, all these mock-ups don't have any like substantial design improvements. And so it doesn't, it feels like an S year with a weird camera. Yeah. It's like an S year with a camera improvement and it's, I get it. Like it's tough to, you know, innovate on that front of the phone unless they're going to make the notch slightly smaller. And even if they do make the notch slightly smaller, not something that would super excite me or they could go hole punch. Yeah. Or they could go hole punch or they could, you know, be the front runners and have camera under the display. Um, but sidebar about that and some iOS beta news, there was a feature that was added. Did you see this? It was like eye correction for FaceTime. Oh, I didn't see that. So one of the big things that is um, lacking in video conferencing technology right now is that, you know, the camera and the screen are in two different spots. So if you're looking at someone, you're not maintaining eye contact. And it's kind of a big thing um, that people talk about where it's just a level of trust that isn't there because you can't look at the person when you're talking to them. And so... Um, the solution on the horizon for this is these in-camera displays, right? If the camera can be behind the pixels, then you can literally look in someone's eyes and be looking at the camera. Yeah. And so that is the proper solution to that. What Apple has in this new beta is a flip in the FaceTime settings that's off by default, but you can turn it on and they will use machine learning to like shift your eyes so it looks like they're looking at the camera and it's all in software. So it's not like the hardware solution that's like, clean and elegant it's more like they're doing ar like face swap style stuff to make your face look slightly different so you're looking at the camera and um a lot of the pushback to it has been like oh you know if this thing messes up once it's kind of not worth it because it totally has the opposite effect or if it just looks slightly off you know it can it can get kind of creepy yeah and also it has a lot to do with like skin tone and eyes so you know yeah. it's probably gonna work really well for white men and yeah. you know, maybe not that many other people and so um it's not a good solution, but the reason that I am so upset to see it is because it shows me that they are not doing the camera behind the display anytime soon mm -hmm. because otherwise they wouldn't release this weird AR hack. Like yeah. if, um, so if this new iPhone was really going to, you know, go edge to edge and solve all these problems that we're seeing, it's like, okay, maybe they wouldn't have this option. If next year's iPhone, they thought they were going to have an oh, in-display yeah. camera, maybe they still wouldn't have this they, option. They definitely have physical devices built of next year's iPhone mm -hmm. already and are in late design phases of the year after that. They know what features they're talking. And if they're putting out this feature that's kind of hacky, kind of not Apple-y, it makes me think that, you know, in-display cameras, it's barely even on their radar in terms yeah. of something that'll be here. And another in-display thing is an in-display fingerprint sensor, which it didn't, these mock-ups haven't, explicitly said no to but also haven't explicitly said yes to uh and most of these are just kind of like the things case designers get so that yeah. they can make cases and so 
things like the weird camera thing are definitely going to happen because otherwise they're screwing over all these case companies. Yeah. But, you know, maybe something with the bezels and something with other parts of it could be different, but it's also based on manufacturing rumors and stuff like that. So um, I didn't dive super deep on where all this stuff is coming from, but there's a little part of me that hopes like, oh, maybe some of the stuff we're seeing is just like generalizations or like it's kind of a ploy for them not to show what's going to be on the front of the phone kind of thing. We'll get into more of this and more of what we want from Apple iPhone design in our main topic. Yeah. And I'll probably talk more about my iPhone buying decisions in light of these rumors. (laughs) We'll see. Okay. um, Real quick. I have to shout out the storm area 51 Facebook group. Um, (laughs) You know, we're a tech podcast. We have to talk about this. Um, uh, I've been a big fan of Lil Nas X on Twitter. Ever yes. since I got back on Twitter, he's been one of my favorite new followers. He is great follow. Uh, he's just hilarious. Yeah, he and has masterfully manipulated the music industry to keep his song at number one by just adding verses over mm-hmm. the past several months. Yeah, he's got some awesome features on Old Town Road, and it's you know looking like it's going to be the longest running number one hit. Yeah. Which is which is kind of nuts because it spawned it got popular after TikTok. Yep, which it's a, is it's a thirty dollar beat thing. that was made popular off TikTok, and yeah. it's just like holy cow, this is amazing. This is the internet, um, and he's done some crazy. You know, he made like a Area Fifty One themed yes. music video. Yes, with um, oh goodness, Keanu Reeves Naruto running to Area Fifty One. Uh-huh. So um, full meme culture, but uh, yeah, Area Storm Area Fifty One, September twentieth. Um, we'll have to do a road trip or something like that. Yep. New Mexico is always fun. But, uh, my favorite quote was, um, you know, the air force generals, they have to comment on this stuff. There's been some great content of like, you know, Oh, people in the Pentagon giving a a briefing (laughs) and explaining what Naruto running is just like, Oh, it's gotten big enough to the point where like these government officials have to, you know, think about it. Yeah. Cause there's there's going to be some nut that's going to go to New Mexico and do something insane. There's like millions of people that have said they're going on the Facebook group, and my favorite quote was a Air Force general saying, "The U.S. Air Force stands ready to defend America and its assets." So it's like, <laughs> do not come at us, dude. Come on. Oh my goodness. Okay, um, I'm gonna skip a couple things. Might push them the next week, uh, but we have to talk about Face App. Yes. I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the weird AR face eye. Movement. I've never seen something get so popular and then immediately disappear as face app. Yeah. So this thing was Matt. I mean, so my big theory on the way it spread was like celebrities started using it and then bigger yeah, celebrities. This started app using has it. existed for several years. Yeah. We have to say this, like I had downloaded the app several years ago and tried it out. And it like just felt school. like in the course of a week, it became the most talked about thing on the internet for like a day. Yeah. And everyone was talking about it. Um, you know, the tech behind it is really good. Yeah, like, I, mean, I think that's also why it's got got popular, because if you look a couple of years ago when you used it, it wasn't great, but mm-hmm. now it's like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's just an app that basically has really good Snapchat filters, like make your face look old, give you long hair, give yeah. you a beard. I learned I'm never going to grow a beard after looking at it. I'm like, yep, that wouldn't work. I uh, put what they called the hipster beard on myself, yeah. and I uh, I shaved a little while ago. <laughs> uh, so I took a picture of my clean-shaven self, put the hipster beard, and it just looked exactly the same as me with my regular beard. <laughs> so apparently I have a hipster beard. Nice. Hipster. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And so there's just a lot of fun filters. You know, you can pay for more filters kind of thing. Um, I think Snapchat should acquire them. I think that'd be a good Absolutely. look. But I, I mean, 
I guess I don't know what their value would be now. Maybe wait a, a couple months for them yeah. to die down, but um, definitely their filter technology is next level. Um, the big kind of like turns out story was yeah. like, oh boy, their privacy policy sucks. Russia has all your photos now. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's a Russian-based developer and their privacy policy was kind of just a copy pasta thing that gave them the rights to everything so you don't see them. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's a common thing if you're one guy, which it is, just one guy working on this app in Russia. Exactly. He's just going to copy and paste something. And yeah. people were freaking out that like, oh, now they have the rights to your name and your face kind and of thing. And like, a lot of people don't understand everything like just because an app has access to your photos doesn't mean they can just go in and grab all of your photos yeah uh, they they definitely can keep and probably do keep all of the photos that you have uploaded to it yeah but um they don't they're not stealing your photos it's just some guy in russia and Honestly, hopefully he makes a lot of money off of a Snap acquisition. Yeah, I mean, my take on it is that we wouldn't really be talking about it as much if it wasn't a Russian guy, like no. a Russian developer, which kind of sucks. And also, um, there were some like actual, you know, security researchers who know about this stuff who looked into it. And yeah, you know, they're tracking stuff uh, around like your usage, um, but there's not a lot of like personally identifiable information. PII. There's not a lot of PII in there. <laughs> Jeez, my words. Um, but basically anything that you upload goes to their servers not necessarily nefarious i mean that's where the big computing stuff is that does yeah. the magic face stuff to your picture so exactly I mean, like your phone is not going to be able to run whatever algorithm he has yeah it's just an efficiency thing so i would not be super concerned about if you took pictures with face app i would yeah. calm down yep um how long are we we're at 25 minutes right now okay we can hit some more stuff um netflix stock crashed this week um, because for the first time in 12 years since the company launched, they yeah. lost subscribers in the U.S. kind of nuts. Um, this and... is not including the Stranger Things season. This is like uh, mm. the kind of quiet quarter that they had before it. Um, but their growth is kind of slowing across the globe, and it's kind of a bad time for them to be showing signs of weakness, especially yes, with Disney Plus coming out, with Apple TV Plus. Yep. Yeah, that's what it's called. HBO Max. HBO, I mean, everything. AT&T is going to have like four streaming services by the end of next year. <laughs> like the streaming wars are coming. Um, I've seen some, I saw an interesting take that like with all of this, you know, redivision of content, yeah. piracy is going to make a comeback. Piracy. Yes. I, I think I saw probably the same article mm -hmm. you're thinking of where they were just talking about how piracy is going to be huge because essentially what we've gone from is we had everything split up on TV yep. and then everything got consolidated into the internet and now things are splitting up but staying on the internet. Yeah, so instead of, you know, like music piracy stopped when you could just stream everything on Spotify. Yeah. You know, movie, like TV and movie pir piracy kind of slowed down when you could just stream everything on Netflix. Yes. Well, now you can't just stream everything on Netflix. Now you need to pay $10 a month to 20 different yeah. people to get everything. And so to get one show, a lot of people are probably just going to end up pirating stuff. Yeah. So one thing that happened last week was San Diego Comic-Con. And I realized I'm going to explicitly pay for a video streaming service for the first time once disney plus comes out really so i have netflix i use my parents netflix thing lucky enough to be able to do that i have hulu i get that through paying for spotify student um which comes with hulu and showtime i do not have hbo i wish i had hbo but i watched last week tonight on youtube and that's it but disney plus is going to be great it's going to have classics it's going to have all the marvel stuff 
that's a huge th reason why they have a lot of really cool Marvel originals that they announced at SDCC um, that I'm really excited for. Uh, and I'm really hoping that they might bundle it with ESPN Plus and AB or, uh, Hulu, which will have all the ABC stuff on it as well. Because Disney has that money, and I would definitely be pay willing to pay like eight to twelve dollars a month mm -hmm. for Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Because I wish I had ESPN Plus, I'm just not willing to spend it uh, just for the few sports options that they have. Um, so we'll have to see. And obviously, I'm guessing my parents will get Disney Plus because I have young siblings. Yeah, I might just bum their Disney Plus as there well. You go. But um, I don't know. It's it's kind of crazy to think how much disney owns like they also had the 20th century fox stuff uh, all that ip that they acquired mm. so like the simpsons could be on hulu or espn hulu, espn or abc whatever they want to put it on they own the rights to the simpsons yeah so i mean this stuff is gonna get a lot more complicated than it has been um and I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like the first streaming service I paid for was HBO now this summer, just yeah. because uh, there was like a gap between my parents, like getting a new uh, like cable deal that gave them HBO go or something like that. Oh. And I really wanted to watch game of Thrones. So I was like, okay, I just bought it. Um, and I thought it was well worth it. I've actually gotten into some more shows. Uh, Euphoria is really good. I've heard Euphoria is yep, really good. I heard that one from Bill Simmons, and yep, I was like, all right, we got to give it a watch. Saw that on the, heard about it on the Bill Simmons podcast. Uh, Silicon Valley is on HBO. Yep, watch Silicon Valley. So I've been watching a lot of HBO this summer, um, and they got some good stuff. My question is, you're Netflix, you're losing subscribers, um, and you're losing subscribers because, you know, you kind of cranked up the price a little bit. They yeah, had a price they, raise. Yeah. And so, you know, what's the other knob they can turn? Maybe they start cracking down on a bunch of people using one account. You know, yes. they've been, you know, notoriously lenient on letting anybody use anyone's yeah. account. And you can have five profiles on one account, which means that if you split an account with four other people, mm -hmm. that's already down to like a couple bucks a month yeah. if you actually pay for it each. And then they can all share it around, right? It's really not like... I mean, this Netflix account I use has the five profiles and probably seven or eight people throughout my family use it, and we've never had an issue. Yeah, and like when you were trying to use Hulu, it was like, oh, this isn't like the state you're subscribed yeah, in. Yeah, I and so, can't use Hulu with live TV in Seattle anymore. Yeah, there are, there are ways for these companies to figure out you know, what multiple people look like. Yeah. And Netflix can kind of start to turn those dials now yeah. that they're losing money. So maybe the age of just sharing people's passwords is starting to run out. Yeah. Uh, Netflix is always going to also going to hit a crunch soon when Disney takes everything back. Um, Disney's not obviously when Disney has Disney plus, as soon as the Marvel deals run out, as soon as the Disney classics deals run out, as soon as the ABC shows um, mm. run out, it, they are not going to stay on Netflix. They're going to go over to Disney Plus or Hulu. And the Netflix is just kind of screwed. Yep. So, I mean, the streaming wars are on the horizon and Netflix is looking kind of weak. Yes. Uh, with the storm coming. So, next up, um, we have Apple funding original podcasts. This is, um, you know, not crazy surprising. I mean, Spotify... Uh, has been doing it, and there's a bunch of startups like Luminary that think they can be the Netflix yeah. of podcasts by I mean, Apple started podcasts. Yeah. Like, obviously, they were destined to start mm -hmm. investing in originals. And so the interesting thing is, like, 
how are they going to monetize this? You know, they're putting money into this ecosystem. Is there a way that they're expecting to get money out beyond just like selling their devices? Because, you know, they could add Podcast Plus, like another $5 a month streaming service. Um, I don't feel like that would be very successful. The podcast market is big, but it's not huge. And so maybe they're just doing this to, you know, increase the attractiveness of what the podcast app has to offer. Or, or perhaps they bundle it with Apple Music, right? You can, if you have Apple, with Apple Music, Music yeah. uh, you just get access to these extra podcasts. I started, so I got offered three months of free Apple Music and I got to mm-hmm. remember to cancel it once I run out, but I downloaded it and I found myself just never using it because all of my preferences and everything that I've listened to is already on Spotify. Yeah. Um, and my Spotify is a little tainted because I share it with my brother, but uh, we have some similar tastes in music and we have our own playlists and everything. So, I mean, I don't really have a reason to go to Apple Music and I was like, well, maybe I'll see if the UI is better. I don't like it as much. Honestly. No, yeah. I mean, I'm on Apple Music because of the family plan and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, but if I had my choice, I'd probably be on Spotify. Uh, but yeah. So, original podcast from Apple coming soon. Should yeah. be interesting to see, you know, where's where's the money coming from? Assuming it's just Apple's deep pockets right now. Yeah. We'll see though. Um next up, there was a rumor that I you know, there's an article that really caught my eye. It's from uh Digital Trends and the headline is that Apple has reportedly canceled developments of its augmented reality glasses. Um, Digital Times, you know, not the most reliable news source. They kind of don't have a great track record in terms of um, Apple rumors. And I'm calling that this one is going to continue that track record because I just think there's no way that Apple is not, you know, working in this area for Christ. I mean, they demo AR at every possible yeah, moment. I mean, they have to be working towards it, right? You look at their focus on making the technology inside the Apple Watch even smaller and more powerful, right? You have you now have modems in the Apple Watch. And that basically is just showing they're really pushing into wearables and they're also pushing into AR. So uh, I, I'm with you on this one. Yeah, so maybe they had like a path that they went down that proved to be unsuccessful and they're having to go with a different option and, you know, maybe they're switching some of the way the product's going to be organized. But... There's just no way that they're giving up on AR or like even pausing work on it because, I mean, it, there's they put in so much work to the AR kit stuff. They've gotten a lot of progress, but if all that they were do, going to do with the AR stuff is what they have now, everyone would be like, "Why are we wasting our time with this?" You exactly. know, no it's like one build wants better to see. Hardware. No one wants to see your 10 minute Lego demo if it doesn't mean that like it's going to lead to like AR, you know, Google Maps eventually. Yeah, I mean. Um, I think that we can kind of tell that it's not time for the AR glasses yet because with the iPhone, you know, there were competitors or I mean, there were smartphones that were kind of like the iPhone, but just like a big step below it on the market. We don't really see the same thing with AR glasses. I mean, there's the Focals by North, but they're not really doing any real AR projection things. And so I think we'll be seeing a lot more, you know, um, cheaper manufactured and, um, Android style devices before Apple actually enters the market. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when we s- start seeing these things in China, that's when we know, you know, the hardware is ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now it just looks like the hardware isn't there. But I'm still betting within five years that the hardware will work itself out. Everything keeps getting smaller. The Apple Watch is a great indicator. And I 
fully believe that Apple is still developing this stuff. Yeah, it should be really interesting to see. So we've got two more or three more stories here, but I think we'll only get through two of them. Um, one really important story that has come out today is the Equifax payback. So last year there was a huge Equifax hack mm-hmm. that they then didn't report for about, what was it? Six months Yeah. after they knew about it. And it was a huge deal. Um, so they ended up having to settle a lawsuit where they're paying $125 to every person who was impacted. Uh, I highly recommend if you're listening to this, get on whatever wireless connected device you have. Go to www.equifaxbreachsettlement.com and check out if you were affected. You need to put in the last six digits of your social security number and your last name. Um, it is completely safe it was tweeted this was the link that was tweeted out through the ftc my parents got their money for it um but if you were impacted by that i highly recommend you go check that out right now and if you were first get your money second check your accounts check your passwords do a credit check somewhere that isn't equifax um there are plenty of places there's oh geez um what are the big three equifax transunion and the other one um discover has a fico credit score Mm -hmm. you can check just check your credit score there are a lot of free ones that won't impact it absolutely check that check your accounts make sure that nothing's been opened in your name um but one question i have here is 125 dollars enough compensation for leaking your social security number and other pii because i don't think it is yeah i mean it's not terrible like it's not like they're giving you like 10 bucks or something like that it's a it's a decent chunk of change Um, yeah it's a decent chunk of change and it's like costing them a crazy amount of money to do this because they like like 50 no what was it 150 million it was a ton yeah Yeah, it was like half the u.s population yep uh basically everybody over the age of thankfully this happened before either of us really had like credit established Uh so they didn't have at least they didn't have mine um they didn't have my brothers who is about nine months older than me um but it seems like 125 dollars is not proper restitution for this um and there should be more not only should they pay back those affected but they really need to uh I, i think they need to be slapped with an extra fine on top of that and i think they need to be heavy more heavily regulated they need to be perhaps uh, shut down or held accountable until they can prove that their security systems are uh, adequate. Yeah, I mean, it's not fun stuff. And, you know, it's not super great that you have to enter in a bunch of PII, you know, to get money. To for get your, your money for them yeah. releasing your PII. But, yeah, um, I mean, people should do it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we can have a whole other discussion about that, but we're at almost 40 minutes right now, and there's one more news story I really wanted to talk about, which is big tech versus ISPs on 5G tethering, which sounds like just a jumble of uh, buzzwords, but essentially uh, companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, and Microsoft are petitioning the FCC for super fast Wi-Fi tethering on the 6 gigahertz spectrum the six gigahertz band which the fcc unanimously voted to open up um, which essentially means that they are opening up a lot of space for connectivity and big tech companies want that to be used for wi-fi so that they can use wi-fi tethered devices use more connected devices and make them more powerful companies especially like google and microsoft are saying that for ar headsets they are really going to need these 
uh, bands open and able to get that fast of data travel and transfer for the cloud computing that will be required. And the ISPs are saying that they need it all for 5G innovation and more cellular capabilities if the U.S. wants to be the best in 5G. Yeah, there's actually been a lot of news around, like, the bands that 5G is going to take up, like, how it could affect, like, weather radar and stuff like that. And so um, this stuff is kind of getting a little crazy. I mean, it'd be an interesting time to be someone who knows more about this. Sadly, I am not. Um, But, yeah, um, both of those things sound like, you know, good arguments. Yeah, so one thing that is happening here is 5G can exist on existing... Uh, infrastructure for these ISPs. They're just being kind of greedy because it's cheaper for them to just build on top of a new band rather than improve what they already have. Mm-hmm. Um, and of also it would cause probably some outages temporarily as they upgrade things. Uh, this happened a lot when we went from 3G to 4G LTE. Um, but it is, in my opinion, more important that we make this route more available for Wi-Fi um, because we don't, we shouldn't just let ISPs kind of be lazy. Um, they have plenty of money. Uh, I am personally biased towards ISPs and uh, biased for big companies like Google. Yeah. Um, I work for Google, but I, I really do think that these ISPs are just kind of trying to take the easy way out here and not really innovate uh, and ISPs are definitely an industry where innovation is needed. It's also just like more people who don't really understand tech, like pu- getting 5G pushed down their throats. Yeah. Which is just this whole weird trend I've seen this year where everyone acts like it's like, you know, one of the pillars of the future, this 5G. And it's just like, you know, slightly faster internet. And yeah. it hasn't really been proven what we're going to do with it. Yeah. And so it's just. Uh, been a major factor this year and like the even the political climate it's like oh we want to be the first to 5g it's like okay well what are we going to get when we do that mm-hmm. like as someone who you know thinks they understand a decent amount about this stuff i don't really see the advantage of most of it like i kind of yeah. just want good you know 4g everywhere exactly to so, start with yeah if we have congress people saying hey let's be the first to 5g why um are you going to regulate ISPs and make sure that they're customer friendly? Are you going to regulate ISPs and make sure that they have even coverage? Uh, because if you look at some stuff like T-Mobile was notoriously terrible in Nebraska, we switched to T-Mobile and I didn't have cell service for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was just awful. But then you look at it like, um, I, I, don't, I don't even know, but there are a lot of ways that ISPs are taking advantage of consumers, and I think we really need to consider that when we're considering uh, what to give them when it comes to 5G technology. I agree. Okay, after the break, we will consider some Apple product design, uh, but for now, we will see you in a second. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about some Apple product design when it comes to hardware and the history of it. Yeah, um, we talk a lot about the current Apple hardware. Yes, and a and, lot of the software as well. Yep, and so now we're going to take a look back, you know, see how we got here. Yes. Kind of just spend some time reminiscing. Yes, so basically what I wanted to do here was go through everything that is currently for sale on the Apple website, on the Apple Store online, and talk when it comes to technology hardware, not like cases and weird stuff like that. Um, so I wanted to go from there and 
look at the current implementation, what we're thinking about the future, and what we have from the past. So we're going to start off with the Mac, the iconic, that's, that's what all started with Apple, was the Apple II. Yes, the thing that started it all, right? The the uh, garage product. Yes, and it's interesting because when you look at the Apple II, for its day, it actually did look really good. When you When you think about it, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs really did focus on making devices that were designed for humans. This was their first piece of hardware, though. I mean, like, yeah. they had the circuit board Apple computer before. Yeah. Um, and then this was, like, you know, they started from the very beginning. Like, we're going to put everything in one package. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the first people to think about, let's make this easy to use for normal people. Yes. In terms of, like, you're not putting parts together. You know, this was the first, like, whole computer unit that a person could go and buy. Yeah. Um, and so then after that, we had the Apple IIe and things like that. But... Uh, I wanted to skip to the Macintosh, which is something that Steve Jobs invented during his time away from Apple, which was then purchased by Apple, and then he came back and became CEO again. There's a whole complicated history. Uh, watch the movie Jobs. Uh, anyway, the, the Macintosh is kind of where we start to see um, a lot of the, the modern design kind of come into play. So we've got like the old plastic white laptops and... Um, iMacs. Do you remember those? Like the, the Macs for students? Um, yeah, I had one of those all through high school, the plastic mm, uh, MacBooks. Yeah. yeah. So um, my middle school, I think it was, had a bunch of like the like big boxy, look kind of like a tube TV Macs that's just like plastic and white. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Around the case. And then some of the iMacs that are that way too with the all-in-ones. Um so that's just kind of like what I grew up with thinking of as like standard design for computers. And it's been very interesting. So if we, we start with the MacBook Pro slash just the MacBook in general, we, we started out with what has always been a very innovative and good looking computer. Um, I'm going to have a disclaimer. From 2006 to 2012, nothing looked good. So when we talk about all of these products, anything that was built between like 2006 and basically since the first iPhone came out until the, uh, maybe like the second iPad, um, nothing really looked good in all of technology. So, uh, we look at some of the changes that have happened with MacBook, and one of the things that happened is they went to metal. Um, that was huge. And then they've also shifted to this more clean-cut, boxy look. The unibody, right? Like, it, yeah. they switched from kind of putting pieces of plastic together to um, one solid piece of aluminum that houses the entire computer. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at my MacBook Pro right now. And one of the coolest innovations, I think, I may be the only person who uses the touch bar, but uh, I actually do enjoy having the touch bar there. Um, it makes it easy to change my volume. It makes me easy to change my brightness. Um, I do other things sometimes, <laughs> but um, that's all a part of kind of the, the redesign that has happened since um, Steve Jobs stepped down for cancer. Um, with within at least the the MacBook. So we've got the MacBook Air, which hasn't 
really changed the look of the design. It still has the sloped kind of um, triangular design that it's had for quite a while. Mm -hmm. um, and there are no longer the MacBooks anymore. They yeah, got the rid MacBook, of those now. Like one port, tiny yeah, ones got taken out of the store. We, on the last podcast, uh, thanked our lucky stars for it being gone. <laughs> but um, the MacBook Pro has kind of been a staple of power user computing. Especially for developers, right? Yeah. Like if you're a web developer, there was a time, I think like pretty much up until a couple years ago where like if you were a pretty serious web developer, you know, you made websites, you had to have a MacBook because yeah. it was the only thing where you could run the code like natively on your computer mm -hmm. because the way the Mac operating system works, it's um, more native to run stuff like that. Yes. Uh, since then, Windows has, you know, tried to do some things to catch up, but you know, yeah. we're not really talking about software. Yeah. That's all, that's all some software but stuff. But it's like the, you know, the thing that inspired me about the MacBook Pro is it's like, I wanted to be a developer. I, that's like the future I wanted for myself yeah. when I was a kid. And this was the machine that got people there and the sleek design. It just looks made it really freaking good. You know, like when I got my first MacBook, it was like, I got a sports car, you know, yes. like, cause I had had Chromebooks before. This was like, this thing is way faster than I need. And I know this is what all the cool people that make the things I like use. My MacBook pro was the first time I used a really any computer and I felt in control. Um, and that's a lot of internal hardware. Um, they're always kind of uh, ahead of the game just a little bit in making it run really well. I also kind of decked it out, spent a lot of money on it because I knew I was going to use it for computer science all the way through college. Mm -hmm. But um, it just it is like the sports car. Um, you see people walking around with it, and it's like, wow, that is a, a status symbol. And that's something you'll kind of notice with the evolution of all of these Apple products is that Sometimes they're less of a tech company and more of a luxury brand. And there's definitely a shift, you know, like you said, that era that you said that stuff just didn't look good. Yeah. Was it until like, you know, like 2006, that time range after that stuff started to look better and better and it became like, you know, Apple's not just the user friendly people that invented the interface. They're like the beautiful designed yeah. pieces of metal, you know, that you can be proud to own. Kind exactly. Of thing. Um, and when you have power and beauty together, it makes a very wonderful device. Um, next, I wanted to talk about the iMac. So the iMac is like the staple of my K through 12 education. Uh, we had iMacs everywhere. I didn't. I had my own laptop that I bought for like $200 sophomore year of high school, and it barely worked. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really need it that much for school. My school had some laptop carts, but... I used it sometimes for like speech and sometimes when I was just wanting to uh, do some work at home, um, not on one of my uh, parents' computers. But um, this was definitely a device from my childhood and then they announced the iMac Pro, which, wow, when you talk about design, um, might be the best all-in-one that we've seen. Yeah, I mean, the... The evolution of the iMac is kind of crazy, and the um, iPad, I feel like, you know, when you look at the iMac, it's like, it just became, like, the um, best version that it can possibly be, just like a screen that's in front of you and some hardware. Exactly. And the iPad followed that trajectory, but it followed it way faster. You mm -hmm. know, when we went back, we talked about the Macintosh, it was kind of just like um, a box that had a tiny little screen on it. Yeah. 
and it had big borders and stuff like that. Now the, you know, iMac 5K is this giant, yeah. like, you know, cinema level display right in front of your face. The iPad kind of did the same thing where when you first get it, it's like this thick, you know, tablet where there's a touchscreen kind of in the middle of all this bezel and kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, hey, you know, that beautiful piece of glass that you imagine this being, that's what it is now. Yeah, you know, we've it done is it. A Here piece it is. Of glass. Yeah. So that is kind of what the iMac Pro has taken. And then you also look at the Mac Pro, which um, did have that trash can design for a mm-hmm. while. And now we're back to the cheese grater, which um, when you think about product design, I don't think it matters as much for the iMac Pro just because of the use cases for it. Um, a lot of these things are just going to go on server racks. Same with Mac minis. Yeah. Um, so uh, benefit of the Mac mini, it is designed nice and small. It does exactly what it says. And it is exactly what it is. It's mini. Yeah, I mean the thing basically looks like an Apple TV. Yeah, it's uh they haven't changed the design too much because they don't have to. It's mm-hmm. like the cheap option for things that you know can go under your desk kind of yeah. thing. Um, but you know there are some use cases for it. Like hardware wise, it also kind of racks in a server mount. Mm-hmm. So there are people that use them that way, and especially for developers, you know, yeah. if you're just hosting a few websites that need significant computing power sure. yeah Just and a big use a case is like teams of ios programmers will use it to run their builds on so like you can kind of test your ios software yeah. on this little piece of mac hardware mm-hmm. and then the mac pro which i think the trash can does look good it was um, a beautiful design it yeah. just didn't you know the thermal corner is yeah. something that will go down in infamy where they made this great great piece of hardware that um, GPUs got bigger and hotter, and they just could not put this newer hardware in yeah. their design, and it just ended up stalling for <laughs> like five years. And now here we are; now we're they're back about at the to, yeah, but bring the cheese grater it back. It looks fine because it looks like the pro device that it should be. Um, and that's about all I have to say on Max, because the next two things we're going to talk about uh, will probably talk for way too long um so next we're going to talk about the ipad uh which you alluded to a little bit earlier and that is one of the coolest innovations i think i feel like it's been their most successful product in terms of hardware innovation and i might not have said that a couple years ago but with the new ipad pro design uh it's just like they have reached the apex of anything that you would expect that device to be yeah so a couple things when you Talk about the iPad, it's impossible to leave out the Newton, um, the mid-90s tablet that they attempted to create and then just failed miserably. Before it's time. Way before it's time. The Newton would basically be like if Apple released AR glasses today. Yeah. It's like, there is a pre-existing concept. You know, when Newton came out, it's like, people knew you could touch a screen and, you know, there were stylists and stuff like that. And Apple was like, yes. You know, we see the future. We see that you can do hand recognition and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't quite there. People weren't quite ready for it. The tech just couldn't back it up. And so um, while it was, you know, forward thinking and ultimately what the iPad fulfilled, it's yeah. just an example of being first isn't always best. Yeah. So when you look at the uh, the actual iPad itself, when it was released, it was released in 2010. But you look at the very first one and it it's gross it's so (laughs) bad when you think about it today but you think back to what's now been almost 10 years ago that thing was awesome when it came out everybody wanted an ipad it was one of the first like really good tablets that came out um and the ipad 2 was even better 
Yeah, and I mean, it pretty much defined the space of tablets. Like, since mm-hmm. the iPhone came out, it has set the bar for what it means to be a really good tablet. And, I mean, not only have other manufacturers not really caught up to the design, they also just haven't really found a space where that they can be super profitable in this area. No. It's uh, really the only tablet that has been, like, a, you know, marketing success. Yeah, and so then from there, we went through all of the different iterations and different names from the iPad 2 to the new iPad. And now there is just the iPad Pro, the iPad Air, the iPad, and the iPad Mini, Mm -hmm. and the Apple Pencil. Um, So quickly, let's talk about the Apple Pencil. You have the Apple Apple Pencil uh, Generation 1, and I have the Apple Pencil Generation 2 here. And it's another one of those things where it's like there is a significant difference just between one generation of product that makes it a lot more usable yeah, I mean, the one I have is the one that you take off the cap and plug in to your iPad, and yours is the one where it just naturally rests on the side. Yeah, it and does exactly what you would think it would do. If you picked up an iPad, having known nothing about how technology works, you would automatically believe this is exactly what it does. It, it just connects to the side. Yeah, and I mean, it, it solves a lot of the problems of where do you put the pencil, that kind of thing. Yeah. And also, they made a lot of improvements around just like you know, the grabability of it. It's no longer just this, like, really smooth, slippery cylinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of shaped like, you know, an ergonomic pencil would be. Yeah. Um, and that is now usable on every iPad. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts, because when the iPad Pro came out uh, two years ago, the first iPad Pro came out in 2017, yeah, I believe. Yeah, three. Yeah. Um, so when that first came out, the Apple Pencil was a huge selling point of it because no stylus had been that good before. I mean, I, I work on uh, my Pixelbook now, and the Pixelbook pen feels obsolete. It's so slow. Um, but I, I really think that they have just, like you said, exponentially innovated when it comes to the iPad. Um, the it's- iPad Air is super powerful for what it is an ipad air it's as powerful as the two years ago's ipad pro yeah and i mean my favorite part about when we talk about these big changes in the ipad like the pencil it's like the more uh advanced these things get you know the more they reach the apex of the form that i feel like the ipad pro is at now the more just like magic it feels right yeah so when you use the new apple pencil it's all just like the way you'd expect it to work. It has a place that it rests on the iPad. You never have to think about the battery because it charges with the iPad. Um, and it just kind of removes any friction in your mind. Whereas like the old Apple pencil, you know, you have to kind of take off the tip and then it's like this weird, awkward thing where you have to dock it with the iPad and don't lose track of the cap. Yeah. And it's just like everywhere, um, they innovate and like everywhere you see a major hardware improvement. It's like also just makes the thing a little bit more magic, a little bit more seamless yeah. and better to use. And, uh, one thing that's a little software related is with the iPad OS, you can connect a, uh, game controller to it. Mm-hmm. And I tried that out for the first time a little bit ago yeah. and I played some real racing three. It's a pretty popular game that they had, um, prepared for, controller support so i used my playstation 4 controller and i hooked it up to my ipad and i realized not only do i have uh the best pro tablet available a fully functioning essentially laptop mm-hmm. but i have a gaming device here as well yeah like the perfect uh, thing to bring on a plane is essentially yeah. what it is or to sit on a small desk like mm-hmm. we have to do all the time as college students yeah uh so yeah so we have that we have that in the ipad pro an ipad air just as powerful slightly different form factor um, 
we have the regular iPad, which is good entry-level iPad, and then the iPad Mini, which is also a really great device. Um, I think it could use a lot of improvements. I have voiced those concerns in the past, and I don't want to dig too much into that, but uh, the iPad lineup really is something that has become revolutionary. Yeah, and it's something that, unlike the MacBook Pros that we were talking about earlier, when the tide rises, you know, and the the top of the line gets better, we've seen it trickle down, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. They bring in the Apple Pencil and that sort of thing. Yeah. But the bottom end of the lineup has stayed so incredibly cheap. Like, it's like 260 bucks or something for the yeah. cheapest iPad right now. And it, it just doesn't work the same on Mac OS because... Or with the, the Macs because... I mean, I feel like it's just because the hardware that they're making is not, you know, as closely tied with the software. Mm-hmm. And if you were trying to use, you know, the way that the iPad Pros work, Apple can use their chip that they're using this year, like three years from now in the super cheap iPad. Yeah. If they did that with, you know, laptops, it would be crazy because mm-hmm. it would be completely underpowered yeah. and it would just like stumble under its own weight. Um, but the way that this, you know, lineup has kind of formed over time with the iPads has been really great. I mean, they even updated the mini for crying out loud. Like no yeah. one thought they would do that. And even if, you know, from a hardware perspective, the design didn't really improve on it. At least it shows that like, you know, they're keeping a full spectrum of computing devices for everybody. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, all right. Here is something we're going to talk way too long about. The iPhone. Um, Oof. I will first let you do your rant on iPhone purchasing. Oh, I just don't know, man. I, so I have my iPhone 7. I've had my iPhone 7 for, you know, the amount of time most people keep their phones. Except what's happening to mine, and I don't know if it's just because I charge my phone differently than most people. I don't know. I don't feel like I charge it that crazy, but it's on the charger a lot. And maybe it's something with the phone I got, but the battery just gets not great. And so... I'm always keeping portable chargers on me now, and I've basically have this dilemma in my head of like, should I buy, like I've been telling myself I'm just going to buy the new iPhone because my phone's, you know, battery's going bad, and it's time, and I like to have the new phones, so I'm like, let's buy it. Well, I look at what we're going to get with these leaks that we are talking about earlier, and it's so disappointing, it's like, oh crap, like that's, you know, I didn't want to buy on the S year because... You want the big hardware improvements. Yeah, you want something crazy and fun and new. And for the history of the iPhone lineup, it's like every year that's not an S year, it just blows your mind yeah, what like, they do. Even when you look, the form factor of the 6S to the 7 wasn't a huge change, but the 7 was a much better phone. Yeah, and hardware-wise, just like the, like when I, when I bought the 7, it wasn't because it looked crazy futuristic like the mm-hmm. 10 ended up looking. Yeah. But like the numbers on the performance and everything like that were yeah. just insane. It the camera better. was crazy. It has the haptic home button. Mm. I really enjoyed that for yeah. I thought that was great. Nine months or so that I had an iPhone Seven. It, I, I still enjoy it, and I still think Touch ID is great. But the next phone that I buy, you know, I want it to give me that same feeling of excitement. And maybe this is just, you know, the tech lull that happens in the summer where we're kind of between cycles on things. And when Apple starts, you know, talking about this phone on stage, it's going to blow my mind. Um, But it just doesn't feel like that's the way it's going to go with all these rumors. And so it's like, do I just buy a battery case to make this phone last longer? Because honestly, I don't need much more phone. It's it's been a tough trade-off. And I feel like you know, this might be the first year we're really disappointed by a iPhone design. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look back at the history 
of what they've been able to do. You know, the phones have gotten so different. When you think about, like, even, you know, my first phone was an iPhone 3GS. And it was this, like, pill-shaped thing that, like, had this tiny little screen. And no one would ever really even be able to use now. And we look at where it came, you know, it, it reached kind of like a a great version of that design with the 5 and the 5S. Yeah. Just that tiny little um, hard edges that we've kind of seen come back with the new iPad Pro. Yeah, when you look at the iPhone 5 um, and 5S, at this point, it's just, it looks like a small version of the iPad Pro. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it doesn't function like that. Yeah, and so I wish the rumors were being like, oh, we're going to bring that crazy new design that we did on the new iPads to the phones. Yeah. That's so what I wanted. I, I did see a rumor, I think, last year where they thought there was going to be an iPhone SE 2. Yeah. Um, and that was going to have the notch style and face ID of the iPhone 10, but in the smaller boxy version of the iPhone SE. And it really did look like the iPad Pro as a phone. And I think that would look great. I don't know how it would look as a larger phone or a plus-sized phone. I mm-hmm. think um, having the curved design on those is a little better. Um, but speaking of the history, let's go through the history of the iPhone. Uh, 2007 was the first iPhone release. It was revolutionary. Um, it was three things in one in your pocket. It was an internet-connected device. It was an iPad, and it was a phone. Yeah, an iPod, a phone, and an internet communicator. Yes. <laughs> like, internet communicator definitely showed that it was like, we don't know what you're going to do with this thing, yes. but we're pretty sure it's going to be cool. Yeah, it was, it, when you look back, that keynote, Steve Jobs saying those things, is some of the most revolutionary times in the history of technology, was that keynote, was the release of the iPhone. Next came the iPhone 3G and the iPhone 3GS, which um, you had. Yes, my first phone. Um, obviously, it's in the name. It brought 3G to the iPhone. Yep, uh, which was an improvement. And then the iPhone 4 launched, which had a fairly boxy design. And then after that came the iPhone 4S, uh, named in honor of Steve Jobs. Um, this was very soon after his passing. Uh, it was launched in 2011. And let's see, when did Steve Jobs pass away? Not sure. Let's check real quick. If my Wi-Fi were faster, we would have this. He died October of 2011, and the iPhone 4S was released nine days after he died. Jeez, yeah. So um, this introduced Siri and iCloud. The iPhone went to China. This was huge. Next came the iPhone 5. Came was basically just a thinner iPhone 4S. When the iPhone 5 came out was when I bought my first iPhone, which was an iPhone 4S. Um, I really wanted an iPhone. I was in seventh grade, and I didn't know how to wait or have any patience. So instead of waiting for them to restock the iPhone 5s, I just got an iPhone 4S. (laughs) So after that came the iPhone 5C and the iPhone 5S, which had the 5C with all the fun colors. And I remember that was early high school and... Just about every girl I knew had an iPhone 5C with some fancy color on it, and they were all freaking out about that. Uh, And I really wanted an iPhone 5S, but I didn't get one. (laughs) (laughs) Next came the iPhone 6. 
and the six plus this is when they started using plus sized designs yeah this was crazy because it'd been a couple of years where like android phones were getting big and mm-hmm. apple just kind of kept being like no like that's not the right size for phones like we know the right size for phones and yeah. everyone was like the big thing was like when is apple gonna make their phablet is what yeah. we kept calling them back yes, then phablets the phablets and it would be like and the, um i remember like Samsung made like the Samsung Galaxy Mega, which was just supposed to be this giant beast of a phone. Yeah. And if you look at the way the iPhones have evolved, it's like the same size as a XS Max is now. Yeah. Like the Galaxy S10 Plus is bigger than those phablets. It took a while for people to figure out, you know, how big phones were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And also, bezels played a huge role in these phablets. In the size of them. Yeah. yeah. And so it was still a smaller screen mm-hmm. on these giant phones. Yeah. And the jump between the 5s and the 6 like i'm not entirely sure that we've settled on what the right phone size is still you know they're still tweaking it every year Mm -hmm. there's still people who want smaller phones yeah and one of the big changes was like the weight difference yes this is also the first time they used like the curved design yeah and so when you're when you're holding yeah and it was more slippery because it's the curved design and it's bigger so it's harder to hold but when you go back and you pick up like an SE or cause like I've used them for like test devices because yeah. they're like really annoying to test on cause the screen's so small now. Mm. Um, but when you go back and you pick up one of those phones, it's like so small. It fits like in the palm of your hand. Like it's tiny yeah. obviously, but it's so light too. Like it's crazy how much bigger and heavier phones have gotten. And it's kind of something like it's a trade off. No one really cares about cause you get the bigger screen. Yeah. Um, but it, it does remind you of like, you know, some room for growth in terms of like, Maybe if I'm running in gym shorts, my phone doesn't have to pull down my pants. Kind of yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the 6 was the first time they introduced the Plus. Next came the iPhone SE and the iPhone 6S. Um, these were pretty minor improvements. It was an s year, and then the SE was essentially um, an attempt to have a 5C that didn't suck yeah. um, as a phone. Uh, a lot of people liked the look of the iPhone 5C, but it was not a good phone. Yeah, and with these phones, we're getting into phones that people are still using today. Yeah. You know, you still see a lot of successes on the streets. Uh, my dad had an SE until very recently. He got a 10R. Uh, same with my brother. I think a lot of people are still holding on to their SEs just yeah. because of the size thing. Yep. Uh, next came the iPhone 7, uh, which Jacob currently has, yep. and I had for a while before I got my 10. Uh, that's when they removed the headphone jack. So this was a major design choice that has followed into pretty much every phone except for the Samsungs. Yeah, it's kind of quieted down. You know, people are finally starting to stop complaining about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It really is just Samsung that still has the headphone jack. I think the Pixels aren't going to have headphone jacks. Pixels Um, didn't have... uh, The Pixel 3a does have a headphone jack, but the 3 and the 3XL do not. Um, So, I mean, Bluetooth has kind of been the future, which we'll get into with AirPods. Um, But yeah. And then... uh, 2017 the fall release included the iphone 8 the 8 plus which were really powerful phones that looked pretty much the same as the 7 a lot more Mm. powerful really great camera and the iphone 10 which uh at the time was beautiful it still is a very beautiful and intuitive phone to use i think a lot of that is based on software i like that they increased the size of the lock button um the notch we have to talk about the notch when we talk about the history of the iphone and its design yeah so i mean the entire time all these phone companies have been trying to thin out the bezels something we talk about all the time 
And it just got to a point where, okay, we can start using some of this screen on the top, but we don't know where we're putting our camera. We don't know where yeah. we're putting our touch ID. Okay, we turn it in the face ID, and mm-hmm. we have a notch. And it's this thing that it seems like is going to be hanging around the iPhone for at least a couple more years. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's like the last space for innovation on the front of the phone. Yeah. And so the last release that we had was last fall when we had... Um, the 10s the 10s max and then 10r but also the discontinuation of the 6 6s 6s plus se and the 10 so uh one of the most interesting things here is that you can't just buy a 10 from apple anymore you have to get the 10s which is essentially the exact same phone uh slightly more powerful and you can get it in gold so people know you have a newer phone um and then the 10r which i think is one of the coolest improvements that they've made they released the liquid retina display on it which is what is on my ipad i really enjoy that they have a slightly taller screen um and from the people i know who use 10rs they actually really do enjoy that um i i can definitely feel how the same width with a slightly taller screen would Mm -hmm. be really nice um for at least my personal use i have really big hands though and i don't have a plus-sized phone so i definitely should start considering getting a plus-sized phone but that was the most recent release and now let's talk a little bit more in depth about the actual design behind the uh these rumored leaks yeah i mean we kind of we touched we talked about it before the big thing we're getting from these i mean you see it every year around this time leaks from the case manufacturers is we're seeing this um camera bump which is just massive we don't need to talk about that anymore um one of the big things i want to see change is some sort of a material change yeah it happens you know it's one of the best ways to make someone feel like they have the new shiny thing is to change the way it feels when you're holding it you know if the only difference between a iPhone 10s and an iPhone 11 is the bigger notch. You're never going to notice it in a case. And the only thing you will notice is that it's slightly uglier. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that's what Apple's going to do. And I have a conspiracy Jacob moment for you. Okay. Put on that hat. So recently there was a article about a new team Apple created either like this past year or the year before to help, you know, kind of fight back against some of these hardware leaks and it's like some sort of like device security team or something like that. Basically, Apple saw all these leaks were coming from, you know, Chinese manufacturers and mm-hmm. we need to kind of make a little task force to try to stop this. When we look at where a lot of these leaks are coming from for the 11, you know, it's the same areas that we always see um, leaking this sort of thing. And they've got some pretty, you know, specific ideas on the ways it's going to look. Maybe it's kind of a false flag thing. You know, I maybe have thought about that. Maybe uh, these, you know, designs that they have look extremely similar to the 10s, either, you know, out of laziness or out of, like... Okay, so I don't think that Apple's faking that camera bump because, like we mentioned before, yeah. they would be screwing over a lot of case, case manufacturers, makers, yeah. which they're just not going to do. But, you know, maybe they gave out, you know, models that had some details on it that just looked a lot like the old ones and that people are assuming are accurate because it looks like what they already use, but they've got some new ideas around how this thing can look outside of changing the shape of it. And also, really, these leaks shouldn't tell us much about what the notch is going to do. Yeah, that is a big thing. 
I'm assuming the notch will be smaller, but there's no reason they would need to put the notch size in a case mock-up. No. So, I don't know. I'm holding out hope for them to do something, you know, revolutionary, but the confines, like, the literal confines of the case design that they're putting themselves in kind of rules out some of the harder edges from the iPad Pro, um, which is disappointing. But maybe they can do something interesting with the back of the phone, which they haven't done... I mean, the first, like, all-glass back was, like, the um, the 8s, but the back of the phone was just kind of, like, flat and had no features since the 5S. Yeah. That was the last one where they, like, changed the design in the back of the phone, really. And so, I don't know. Don't have high hopes on them to do anything exciting there. So, maybe the front of the phone will save me. Um, maybe. We'll see. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for a new material, though. That could be good. Yep, that could be good. But uh, that's... Short history of the design of the iPhone, a little bit of a rant on our part about all of this. We will have podcasts coming within the next couple months about iPhone events and all that. So that'll be super fun. But we've talked about iPhones plenty. Um, we'll skip iPods. You can buy an iPod Touch. It's essentially an old iPhone. Uh, iPods were cool. They were a big part of my childhood. Yep. Loved me some iPod Touches. Yep. iPod Touch. Had an iPod Nano for a little bit. Had the regular iPod mm-hmm. at one point. Who didn't? Um, next up, let's talk about the Apple Watch, which is currently in Series 4, and you have it on your wrist. Yeah, so I have mixed feelings about the Apple Watch. Um, you know, when it first came out, it was kind of the original iPhone of smartwatches where you could see a lot of potential, but no one really knew the direction it was going to go. And then over the next, you know, Apple Watch 2, um, they made hardware improvements so that you know, the software could blossom a little bit more because it was just so restricted in that first release. And, you know, originally when the Apple Watch first came out, it seemed like Apple meant it to be more of a kind of um, fashion accessory kind of thing. Yeah, like a fashion accessory that can give you notifications, not something that can do computing by itself. And, you know, maybe a little bit more on the status assembly side, they were really focused on, like, the edition Apple Watch, where it's all gold and all these fancy watch bands you can buy. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk about how a lot of that was, like, just Johnny Ive, just looking for other areas he can design in. Mm -hmm. Um, But since then, they've realized that the biggest area for these things is health, and that's the majority of the reason why I own one, um is because, you know, it's really good as a runner, even though I haven't been running as much this summer. We're not going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so the... Um, I don't know the specifics of, like, the what improved between the 2 and the 3. The 2 and the 3 added cellular, which is... Ah, uh, yes, the, and the, the it, red... Yes, and the red the red dot. The red dot, so you too. Knew it was so different. you knew you had the cellular yeah. one. Because the, the actual casing of the Apple Watch didn't change other no. than that red dot up until the 3... And then the Series 4, which, yes. you know, was which released really during the lifetime like, of this podcast. I remember yeah, yeah. one of the early things we were talking about was getting excited about the leaks of what this screen is going to look like. And now that screen is something that I've had on my wrist for like almost a year yeah. now, which is crazy. Um, T minus three weeks until the first birthday of Hacker Slacker. Yeah, there we go. Get excited. But yeah, um, the Series 4, um, you know, we got... We got waterproofing, we got GPS, we got the new screen. Like, all this stuff was really exciting. Um, You know, I don't think about how much bigger my screen is on a daily basis, but um, 
it definitely helps yeah. in so, terms of all the extra stuff they're able to show on it now. I can talk on that. I have been searching for Apple Watches. I've said this plenty mm -hmm. of times, but I shattered my Apple Watch Series 2 back in the winter of our freshman year of college. So about a year and a half ago, I shattered my Apple Watch. I'd had it for about six or seven months at that point, and I didn't have Apple Care, so I didn't get a new one. But I have definitely been in the market looking for a new Apple Watch, and I look at the difference between the screen on the 4 and the 3, and I literally cannot get myself to get a Series 3, even though it's pretty cheap if you find the right spot. I've seen them as low as like 175 bucks, and I just can't get myself to get it knowing that the Series 4 is that much better. Oh yeah, I couldn't buy a 3 anymore either. The, the Series 4 just has so many improvements that are huge, yeah. just in terms of... I mean, a bigger screen, I mean, it, the numbers on the size of the screen isn't crazy, but just like yeah. the percentage of your watch that looks like it's a screen the just because it goes edge to edge. is a watch, which is nice. Because yeah. when you have... So like when I check the time, I can show you like it's just, it's pretty much indistinguishable where the edge of the display exactly. is now, which there, is what There's you no want. bezel on it. When you look at a regular watch, it's not like there's just like they have to put some extra thick part to make the watch work. Mm -hmm. And I really think this is a great innovation for it. Um, we talked about this. You can probably dig up in our archive somewhere, us talking about it. But Series 4, awesome. So the Series 4 is awesome. But it has been like five years since the original Apple Watch came out. And other than the screen getting pushed slightly closer to the edges, the design looks pretty much the same. Yeah. And so that has been... A bit of a conundrum you know it's like it's not like this thing is getting much thicker thinner it's actually gotten mm -hmm. thicker yeah and so you know is that just not a priority in terms of like making it thinner and lighter is it already thin and light enough um it doesn't really feel like the form factor has been played with that much and so i just i don't know where it's going or if this is just where they're settling i think it could honestly be something where they're just expanding into wearables which is why the inner hardware has gotten much better like the mm -hmm. processing power of the apple watch has gone through the roof each series yeah it actually out. works on its own now yeah to the point where you they're can gonna put go an app store on, a, on it yeah you can yeah. go on a run with your airpods in and your cellular on and you will be fully okay to go yeah, there's, you know, some undercurrent of movement towards a watch that could be independent from the phone, mm -hmm. which if when you look at the original Apple Watch that came out, that was just not possible. No, that was never going to happen. Um, the phone did almost all of the processing for what was actually displayed on the watch. The watch was basically just like a remote screen. Yeah. But now it's kind of able to be more of an independent device because of improvements, you know, of the chips that are in there. And so the future of the watch is kind of, you know, ambiguous. Is this going to be something that you can buy for a kid, put on their wrist, and it's all they need instead of a phone? Yeah. Or, you know, are we just going to kind of see it keep playing this accessory and, like, health-focused role? Yeah. All right. So next up, we have the Apple TV, which has always just kind of looked really good. Um, it looks like a black uh, Mac Mini, and there's HD and 4K and... Um, there's really not much to say about it except for for a streaming box it looks pretty good um when you look at things like the firebox firebox is kind of clunky and big yeah um, there's a roku box which looks kind of weird mm -hmm. but uh the apple tv has just kind of from a hardware design standpoint um obviously the internals have improved and all that but from a hardware design standpoint it's just always been like a really good looking device yep i mean it just kind of follows the apple standard in terms of like something that you know looks good if it has to be visible um and 
it's not like incredibly small. There's a lot, you know, the fire stick and that sort of thing that are, you know, actually tiny. Um, and some people don't like the remote, but other than that, I mean, the thing has been fairly successful at what it does. Yeah. It's just a nice streaming box. Yeah. So Apple has one device that can be connected to every other device that it has, and that is AirPods. You Ooh. can connect AirPods to any Mac device, to any iPad, to any iPhone, to any Apple Watch even. Um, uh, scratch that. You can't connect it to an Apple TV, but that's... Or can you, you? I think you can connect AirPods to an Apple TV. Of course you can. Yeah. Um, ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not what we started with. We used to have those circular with the grill that would always get like earbuds ear in it. That would like, get earwax and didn't really fit in your ears. Yeah, so it started with the earbuds, the yeah. kind of they had like the silicone rubbery parts on it that yeah. would always come off and you'd find They're... them in a drawer like five years later and they were disgusting. Yeah. And then I think what well, was like around like five, five S time, they got the uh ear pods. Yes, which fit in your ear if for about 60% of the people, it actually mm -hmm. fit in your ear really nicely. Thankfully, I'm lucky like that, which is why AirPods fit in my ear as well. Yeah. But the ear pods um, fit in my ear. They worked really nicely. Once they switched over to no headphone jack, it came with the lightning attached. Um, and it's the same design language that they're still using in the yeah, AirPods. In AirPods. And now we have AirPods and AirPods 2 with wireless charging. Yeah. The... Uh, form factor in actual hardware design of the airpods is really great like when you look at it there is no truly wireless earbud where the experience of taking it out of the case pairing it with your phone mm -hmm. which is more of a software thing putting them in your ear putting them back and putting them in your pocket is easier than with airpods yeah, and I, the big thing to talk about hardware wise here is the airpods were the first headphone to put headphones in your pocket all the time. And that might be kind of a guy thing where, you know, we have nice pockets, but yeah. like I can keep AirPods with me all the time. You saw that they kind of tried to do it with the earbuds case that they came in. If you remember, it was that little, I do remember that. So you could I... like wrap the cable all the way around a hundred times. Mm -hmm. And it was a similar idea of like, you can maybe just put this little thing in your pocket, but the idea of unwinding those headphones every time you needed it, like, that just was never a thing. Yeah, People I just threw those kept, cases away. I kept my uh, ear pods in my pocket. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that meant I took several seconds to unwind them every time I wanted to put them in. Yeah. So when I got to college, I didn't have AirPods. I got them February of freshman year. So I had about six months of college without them. And I, for about four of those months, I would ride my board around, my longboard around campus. So... One thing that I noticed once I got my AirPods was I would actually just listen to things when I longboarded. Yeah. Because when you're longboarding, you don't want to wire across mm -hmm. your body. And also, it just takes a long time to get them out, untangle them, put them in your ear, plug them into your phone, put your phone back in your pocket and go. Like, that's a whole process. Now, I just literally anywhere I go, I'm listening to music or a podcast. Yeah, and one of my roommates just got AirPods this last yes, week. Yes, I was talking to him. And I mean... The big thing I was telling him is, you know, it's not like the audio is great. It, they don't sound amazing. But it's the fact that you can have headphones that you can put in in under three seconds with you yeah. at all times. And it just kind of opens up a world of like, I listen to so much more music now. Mm -hmm. Anytime I'm walking somewhere and I'm always listening to podcasts, that kind of thing, um, which, you know from a attention span thing might not be the best, but yeah. from a entertaining Jacob 
<laughs> point of view. I love it, and it's 100%. been it's been great. Like I walk uh, from the building I'm in to the next building over. There are seven buildings on my Google campus, and I walk one building away, so relatively mm-hmm. cl- close for the campus to get lunch most days. Um, I eat at the same place almost every day, and it's a really short walk, but I just pop in my AirPods, I go, yep. I grab my food, and I walk back to my building, and I have this spot that I really like, at, like looks out at a river. Anyway, I'm bearing the lead. Essentially, what I'm saying is it's a lot easier for me to go about everyday things while listening to a podcast or music because of AirPods. Yeah, and I work in an open office and same. I was thinking I'm going to use my fancy noise-canceling headphones cuz I don't want to hear people. But I mean, I'm an intern. I have to ask for help sometimes. Yeah. My project involves collaborating with people. So I've actually I don't even have my fancy Sony noise-canceling headphones charged right now cuz I just use my AirPods at work. That way, you know, no one ever feels like they can't talk to me. If I need yeah. to ask someone a question or if someone comes up, I just pull out one mm-hmm. earbud and everything stops. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, keeping me more present and able to communicate yeah. with instead of uh, like locking myself into the big headphones. Unless I'm doing like very intense work where mm-hmm. it's like I'm focusing for the next two hours and doing code and not doing anything else. I will have my AirPods in. Otherwise, if I'm like really focused and I yeah. need to focus, I'll put my over ear headphones on. But besides that, really, I I don't really take them to work, really. Besides, I just take my AirPods. Yep. Um, But, yeah, so that is every product that Apple has to sell at the moment. Do you have anything else you wanted to say on the lines of product design by Apple? Uh, I don't know. I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I think we got a nice full discussion in about our thoughts and takes on the different products. Yes, and we are about to hit an hour and a half, so I think we're going to call it for this week. Uh, Thank you for listening. We super appreciate it. Sorry we didn't have one last week. We just recorded two in one this week. We we were both super busy with intern stuff and work stuff last week. But you can contact us on Twitter at HackersPod. Send us an email at HackerSlackerPod at gmail.com. You can send us an anchor voice message now, uh, which is super cool. So we would love to hear from you. We have a new logo. Yes. Yeah. We have a new logo. Our Twitter is updated. We're keeping it active. That's how we got our topic was a Twitter poll. Yeah. So so be on the lookout. We might uh, be getting more suggestions from you guys in the future. Yes. uh, At HackersPod. Absolutely. I love Twitter polls, so I'm probably going to run a Twitter poll every week from that account just because I like to do that. Uh, but once again, that's HackersPod. You can send us an email at hackerslackerpod at gmail.com or send us an anchor voice message, and we will see you next week. Bye.